volume. Welcome everybody to the 103rd episode of the Light Shed Podcast, otherwise known as the Good Luck Streaming episode of the Light Shed Podcast. Brandon Ross, Walt Pysik, and the greatest hashtag man of them all, Richard S. Greenfield. Good morning, fellas. I'm just glad it's Friday. I'm really <laughs> glad it's Friday. Mm-hmm. Nice weather. Nice weather. It's been a great energetic week for all of us. We've had amazing things to think about in media land. And telecom land. And telecom land. And technology land. I'm in half, fish land. In fish land. I'm halfway in a four through a four night MSG run. I think I've slept a collective six hours in the last three nights. That's not a joke, but never. I thought, so weed, I thought weed makes you tired. <laughs> Wait, cut Jesus. Sorry. No, what no. kind of a thing is that to say, Rich? I mean, Wait, isn't it legal now? I, I haven't been high. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, I'm going to cry. I'm literally oh going to cry. We, okay. might have, we might have to do some editing here. No way. There's no editing. We do not. We go live to tape. Live to tape. That's the way this works. We're live. Well, okay. it's, yes. been a, it's been a fun week. No, it hasn't. We're, there's been nothing fun about this. What, week. this nothing fun. How is it's been sleepless, but energizing. You know what? Someone said to me the other night, actually, at the show, someone came up to me, a client, and said, is this Rich's Super Bowl? What's going on with Netflix? And I looked at him and I said, you know what? Counterintuitively, it is Rich's Super Bowl because everyone wants to talk to Rich right now. And we want to talk to Rich right now, which is why we're going to go to our first slide. So the first slide is Netflix loses $54 (laughs) billion in market cap after biggest one day stock drop ever which we're going to get into and we're going to pick apart. But I also want to read the information's tweet because I think it is really interesting because it was sort of, I think in listening to the the earnings interview that was done, sort of the, the, the weird part of it was that they sort of dropped in this advertising bomb. It wasn't in the press release. There was no comment about advertising and it was just sort of dropped in midway through the call. Reed Hastings, founder of Netflix, just sort of starts out of nowhere, discussing their interest in potentially doing advertising, which just was bonkers. And so this information tweet says, Netflix co-CEO Reed Hastings' declaration in favor of an advertising-supported tier surprised employees who didn't think a decision had been made. Okay. This is, we got both tweets out of there. So I'm going to use Walt's very favorite word. There is a lot to unpack. Why (laughs) Why don't we start off with a little postmortem of what happened. And I think a good place to start on that is the information article 
coincidentally, that came out a couple of weeks ago, where suddenly out of nowhere, Netflix was cutting costs, talking to pruning employees. Pruning projects, pruning projects, cutting pruning. back on costs. We heard some things come out of some of the agencies, rumblings about uh, Netflix starting to yeah cut back. Be on harder projects. on deals. Be harder on yep. deals more than cut back. I don't. I think the cut back is sort of an aggressive view. I think it's more of just be more aggressive on terms. Okay, but you're in a situation where they're still growing total content spend, but with the idea of growing less than they would have. So these were kind of alarming indications of what was going on at Netflix. Now, you step back to a couple of months ago and the Q4 earnings call and kind of the postmortem of that and our discussions with people at Netflix everywhere. Netflix 100% did not see this kind of last couple of months of pain that they're experiencing. And but, but, but let me in stop response you. to a couple of more months of pain than what they had anticipated, have now decided to make some pretty dramatic changes to the business and give up religion on some of the things that Reed held tight has done. What yeah. happened, Rich? But, but, but let's step back. The real maybe red flag here was that Disney also came out a couple months ago and said they needed to do advertising, which was sort of surprising when it's been a rocket ship. I mean, Disney's speed to 50 million subs to 100 million subs was nothing short of incredible. Sure, some of it was Asia at very low prices, to be fair, but Disney was sort of exploding out of the gate. And the fact that so early, I mean, two years after Disney plus gets created, I guess now closing in on three, but like already having to resort to advertising when, you know, it's a still pretty small service. I mean, when you look at the okay. entire globe and the appeal of Disney brands and content. And so you've got the two sort of, you know, two of the biggest brand leaders in the category telling you that in order to grow the business, the answer is going to be disruptive, very often repetitive advertising. And they'll say, oh, well, we'll give you people choice and people who don't want advertising can pay to get rid of it. Sure. But most people don't pay to get rid of it. And so most people are okay suffering. And so they suffer through a bad experience. Like, I don't know how you're going to make it a great experience. But but Rich, that was, the question that I posed to you, before we even get to the solutions, I think we should do the postmortem and then kind of get to the solution. What, ha what happened? What is happening? Is this temporary or permanent? Because the point is, Reed seems to think there's a permanent issue here, which is why he wants to do things like advertising suddenly. But let's start with, is this a permanent thing? What, I, what's going I, I, on? I think I disagree with the premise that there's a permanent. I think you okay. sort of everyone in the space sort of say the TAM is unchanged. So okay. people are sort of talking about seven, 800 billion subscribers, long-term potential. The time to get there though, looks longer. And maybe the ARPU when you get there looks lower. So the profitability, especially when you have robust competition for content, you know, revenues lower or slower to get there. So you have a lower yep. revenue, you know, your, your, your ceiling of revenues is lower than you thought over the next five years and your cost structure is going up. That's not a great recipe for profitability when people were already questioning how profitable this business could be and in a market where 
the only thing that matters right now is profitability. And so you sort of have a very difficult dynamic for the market right now. I don't, though. It, well, I it does... think rich. I mean, a difficult dynamic, whether it's the market or not, you're just you're getting to a situation now where Netflix is telling you they're going to grow EBITDA 10% this year and next, and maybe and then hope to reaccelerate in 2024. That is not a growth stock anymore. Right. So fair, you they, have, but, but to be fair, you they also have this have no- situation, which we've been talking about for many, many months of the eventual slowdown and the re-rating of stocks that were growth stocks becoming value and what the one day value and what the transition looks like in that. Well, all I have to say is they added 8 million subs in Q4 last year. And maybe this was actually happening in Q4 and Squid Games just shows what the power of a hit can be. Like my point is they have no idea what they're going to grow in 2023. They have no idea of their sub growth, nor their revenue. So you're you're just basically taking what they said and saying that's what they're going to do. But we know from the last two years, they have no idea. Okay. So they have no Positive and negative. Okay. They didn't so, know they were going to blow it out and they didn't right. know that they were going to fall short. Well, they felt falling short way more than they've blown it out. They had like kind of that one blowout quarter, right? So they, the last... they do not have a great handle on what's going on with their business. Correct. Most of us do not have a great handle on what's going on with the business and the industry and why. But in response to what's happened, probably really March and April, Reed has yeah. done a massive about face on something that he held as religion. Does it make sense for him to be changing the business model that dramatically and moving into advertising if he doesn't know what's actually going on? That's what scares me the most. Honestly, okay. I think that to me of everything that's happened this week, the fact that it's not, hey, Let's look back. Let's see what happens. Let's see as our content improves. We, they, they seem very bullish about their back half content slate. Who the hell knows? They've got huge stuff coming over the next even six to eight weeks. But the fact that they're sort of saying the long term needs advertising to be successful, that feels like a red flag of like, why is this not just like, clearly their content hasn't resonated. And, and, I think both and, of you have been very clear. Their content has not been resonating yeah. well enough. For the last for a several long, months. For a long, it's not just the last several months, Rich. I think the the net the way Netflix has worked on on content is yeah, they have 18 billion, they have more content spend than anyone else. And they hope that there's some kind of viral hit that comes out of that content spend every yeah. once in a while. So you've had them, you had your Tiger King, you're making a murderer, but they're quick pops and then Drop Squid Game. Remember on the podcast a few weeks ago, we couldn't remember the name of Squid Game, right? It's not content that. What's the name of the one where Sandra Bullock wore a uh, uh, bird box? Bird box. Uh, is, that, is that Netflix? Yeah, yeah. Yes. Again, another one. Right. Mediocre content. Mediocre content that has its kind of moment and doesn't build franchise value, keep people engaged, and help attach content. Look, that, that continues to it's, resonate. It's kind of like a, it's kind of like a one-hit wonder. I feel like we should just start yeah. with Gangnam Style as our opening song because no one's going to go back and watch Bird Box because it was a quality movie. You're right; it was a moment of time with Netflix had the power to do because obviously there were so many subscribers. Right. The 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 flip that, side that's, of all of this. That's not the, how you keep people on your service continuously, which makes you more vulnerable 
to the competition that's now out there that has, you know, collectively a ton of content. And, and we've the talked- reason, and is the reason for that, Brandon, you're saying that is because you think the consumer is more savvy about being able to turn things on and off saying like, okay, you don't have viral- to be like, how savvy do you have to be to be like, yo, I'm not watching anything on Netflix right now. Well, I'm going to turn it off. I'll turn it back on when I feel like I need to watch well, something. You don't have to write savvy might not be a great word, but people are lazy. You have to find out where did I subscribe to that again? And obviously pause on my plus play conversation, but we'll get to that later. Yeah, we'll Go get on. to that. <laughs> Sorry. No, no, no. But, but, but like think- that's, you know, 25 incremental basis points of churn, which is, a, you know, a couple of million subs yeah. that, that we're talking about here uh, is, I don't know. I went and, you know, the last several things I watched were on Apple and Paramount and um, Peacock, right? I haven't watched Netflix in a really long time. But I know I watched Yellowstone on Peacock. Oh, right. I forgot. But I, but I do think this argument is sort of missing sort of this larger point. I mean, they do have 220 million households okay. who are watching no. two hours a day. So when you say there's sort of nothing to watch or stuff, like there's there, there is like tremendous to, to not households accounts. Okay. Accounts. And we could get into what that means also. No, 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 but, but there's but the a lot there's a lot of shit there. But on the margin at the, no pun intended, on the margin though, there are people who just want to watch content and if their content they want to watch isn't on Netflix and it's elsewhere and they need to subscribe to that, they will trade one out for the other, especially people who don't have as much money. So you probably are seeing at the low end of the consumer, especially those who are, you know, strapped by inflation, gas prices, this, that, and the other thing, like you're going to make substitution. Just remember, I mean, when you're talking about substitution, you're you're really making a very much of a U.S. argument. No, so, this is the U.S. We will get to international because international, yes, but but international Asia but, is. But domestic, they is have the no, they have not figured out Asia, yes, especially India. But that's the point that you're missing. The U.S. is not the problem here. The problem is is that Asia is not growing the way we expected okay. it to. But it, right, uh, like they they US had one subs million were subs. Down. U.S. subs were down. U.S. Sure. subs will be down again. Sure. And when you're talking about doing advertising, the high CPM market that matters is, is the what US. market is the, the US. US. So, and it's there's no more subs to get anyway. I don't think they, I, just don't, so I don't get what, it. So, then what's the point of doing I this don't get advertising? It. I literally don't understand. Someone on this I literally podcast don't pointed out that maybe India was not something that you should try and rely heavily on. Oh, yeah, that was you, Walt. This guy, that guy. Good luck in India. I think I said at one point. What What are your CPMs uh, well, going to be in India? Yeah, that's the whole point, right? Like that's what Disney's suffering through. So I, look, I just don't look understand. The, look, the bigger point, the only takeaway from this week that matters, yeah, is I don't think we ever expected the industry to start grappling with good luck streaming, like as yep. a hashtag. Like that was just no, not no. something we anticipated. We knew that you would get there at some point. The fact that 2022 is the point where we're now looking at all of these stocks. Forget about Netflix, but all of these stocks and going is the streaming story just sort of hitting a wall? Like, is there just not enough subs? Well, clearly it seems that way, although only Netflix is reported. All right, what do we do with the stocks? Well, no, well, HBO let's reported bring, too. Let's bring this to no, no, the stocks. No. Well, let's, well, let's look at HBO too. No, I think first, to let's at- bring it to Netflix stock, okay? I mean, We're analysts. The stock is now, I don't know, 
213. 213. If they have 10% EBITDA growth next year and the year after, it's probably trading at somewhere around 13 times EBITDA. Assuming you believe next year's EBITDA. Is is that an is that a reasonable enough multiple to get involved here? I mean, as we've seen with Squid Game, it doesn't. You're not going to know that the hit's going to come. It's going to come. Like every year we talk about. There has not been a year you and I have followed Netflix where something hasn't okay. blown the doors. But off. Rich, the hit can come. It came one quarter last year, right? Sure. The hit and can the stock come. went to seven hundred. Okay, but. Do you do you think that investors now will be savvy to the point where if the hit comes, it's not a guarantee that the next quarter is going to be good? What do you think that well, the media the hedge fund mafia is going to do if the stock pops on a hit? Right. I disagree. People are going to start, are going to start trying to pick <laughs> winners and losers on the content that's released from month to month. Fucking hell. No, and I'm, by I the would, way, I, like, what if your subs look good on March 31st and then everyone churns on April? Because the the, 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 the difference is, is you've got expectations back in October were for 20 million subscribers in 22. Expectations are now for zero. Okay, that's so. So that's you're literally so at you, zero. Re, you reset the bar. The so bar is at a, zero. The, okay. the bar is at zero sub growth this year. Zero and maybe so the, five million. So the, next so year. the setup is good for going forward. Yeah. That's what you're saying. Again. If you were short okay. going into this, That's you made fair. a ton of money. Now the bar is at zero. Okay. So you think now the I'll setup- take the over on yeah, zero. Yeah, yeah. The this, this setup is good. If they do lose subs this year, this thing's re-rating another four or five turns. Sure. We know that, right? But yeah, I mean, you're probably given the content slate, hopefully- Maybe supply chain password, gets figured out. Password, password sharing. sharing starts to kick in. Although they're saying password sharing is going to be a real tailwind till what, 24. Okay. So overall, you like the risk reward in this reset of expectations. I think it's hard to not like the risk reward with people okay. expecting zero. All right. I just, I thought it was important for us all to come to a conclusion. Now we can move on to HBO. Kylar tweets out, um, former CEO of Warner Media. Uh, which is now Warner Bros. Discovery. Q1 was the final full quarter of Warner Media as an operating entity. So proud of the Warner Media team that made such impressive Q1 results happen. 3 million net new subs, including 1.3 million in the US. ARPU actually grew a little as well. Um, HBO continues to chug. I think this is a new all time high 48 million subscribers domestically for HBO. It has never had 48 million subscribers. Um, it didn't get to the 50 that we thought last year. And a lot of that was sort of cutting ties with Amazon. And, you know, they've been working their way out of that 5 million subscriber loss from Amazon, but they're now back above that. And looks like HBO will end 22 with more than 50 million subs in the U.S., which is um, it, other than Netflix, they're the biggest service in the U.S. I mean, I guess you got Prime Video, but that's not they're really growing a comparison. more. It's certainly growing. Netflix is losing in the U.S. and uh, HBO is certainly growing. So what's the strategy? Now HBO is in Zaslav's hands. What's the strategy for them there? And are we going to continue to see a real steady march higher in subscribers? Look, the, the the challenge that I mean, first of all, we don't really know that Warner Bros. Discovery has their first reporting because Discovery reports on Tuesday morning. Uh, obviously, you, you won't. I'm I'm assuming it's going to be more of a what's the plan more than anything else when they report for the future, but. You know, the reason Warner Bros. Discovery stock has gotten killed this week, one is obviously just sort of the Netflix. multiples. 
Correct. But <laughs> but then the other one is, but the other one is, is like the, the Turner business, you know, Turner and discovery cable networks is in a bad place, right? Like what, per, check- what percent of revenue or EBITDA, EBITDA probably 65, 70%. Okay. Is but, here's the but here's okay. the problem. We started off with good luck bundle and we said, yeah. okay, go to streaming. Now streaming is good luck streaming. That what do you do with all of these assets? If streaming is not the the profitable future you thought for these assets, pivoting faster to the future isn't going to help you. What do you do? And so, well, should, look, that's I mean, Zaslav's conundrum. Yeah, well, HBO Max and soon to be HBO Max with Discovery Plus, and then maybe CNN Plus. <laughs> um, involved. They're still relatively, especially globally, underpenetrated compared to Netflix. So there is room to run. They can have a different content strategy. We know that HBO is known actually for, you know, sort of its signature pieces of content, its signature shows, a different approach than Netflix. Do they have the right approach? And where do you think spending on content is going at that entity and more broadly? You know, obviously they've got a lot of debt. I mean, we should, I'm going to actually just call an audible and you you look at sort okay. of the the shutdown of CNN plus which had you know, I think it lasted far less than even Quibi did yep. um, after Jason was sort of celebrating the excitement of its launch and less than 30 days later it shut down but but the reason it's shut down is very simple cost cutting I mean when when Warner Brothers um, discovery laid out their expectations Zaslov was not assuming hundreds of millions of dollars of bleeding of CNN plus so it was just as fast as possible, just shut it down and write yeah. it off as part of the transaction. They don't have the, you know, at four and a half times levered, they don't have the flexibility to do crazy things. And, and maybe deep, CNN Plus. What about to go deeper uh, on the content side and really, you know, accelerate content spend from where it was? Do you think that's something we happen, uh, we see happen? Do we think we're going to see it, flat content spend less? What do you guys think? What do you think the trajectory of Turner and Discovery is? Well, we know what the trajectory is. It's shit. Well, but if it's shit, that puts more and more pressure. Okay. So now you have a situation where Netflix isn't going to spend as much on content as it was going to. You probably have the same situation here with WBD. Um, Then you think about Paramount and there's some shakiness there because Backish is dealing with kind of a revolt of shareholders after their analyst day where they said they were going to spend is, are we finally getting to the place where the total spending on content stops just going up forever in these streaming wars and starts to really level out as an industry? Um, Probably not for quite a while. Um, Remember, even Netflix is still spending more. All of these companies are spending more as they grow globally. They're going to need a lot more international content. So until the war they, may think, shift. And until let me just interject, Rich. Yeah. Until they until they don't, meaning sure. that like if a quarter or two from now, just like maybe a quarter or two ago, you would have said, "Oh my God, Netflix will never do advertising," and say, "Okay, it's Netflix bad. is still spending." Then in two quarters, like, well, maybe we need to cut back on that. Yeah. What if they lose subs? I think the. Well, here's the wild card. If you were sitting in Cupertino or you're sitting in Seattle and you're looking at this, if you're Apple or Amazon and you're looking at this and you're hearing what you just said, Walt, 
hey, maybe we should be cutting back or, hey, look, Netflix is cutting back or Disney's resorting to advertising. If I were Eddie Q at Apple or if I was um, um, Jeff Blackburn at Amazon, I would go for the jugular now. Sure. Like you can smell the blood in the water. Just fucking buy every project. Hey, what's an extra $2 million of an episode oh, for Apple every or Amazon? Pro- every project. Take everything. Fucking take everything. Everything. Sorry, I shouldn't curse. I said I was going to curse less. Every I project. promised my every some project. of our listeners I would curse so, less, but really? Thought, yeah, yeah. What about potty mouth? Rich, the potty mouth was bothering Rich, some people. What about, what about trying to know, be more mature? Kind of doing what Wepler, who makes a lot of projects for Apple now and used sure. for HBO, did, which is put some thought into what you're buying. <laughs> Not just, you know, spamming. Look, I think Apple's done <laughs> it. Really just buy everything. Spray and dollars. Spray and pray. That, that goes back. I remember when they did, originally did the Adam Sandler thing. Like, and I remember you and Rich saying at the time, yeah, but Adam Sandler, he gets hits and he's low budget. And it was like, it's, it wasn't about quality content. It was about good return content and, you know, that type of thing. And li- we literally talked about this two podcasts ago where you guys both attested to the fact that mediocre content and not spending as much to get the best content was like what was keeping people in. Well, it didn't. Well, no, no, it, it is. It's not growing the base enough. I mean, they are Me? have, they I said do, that. they do have 220 million subscribers. And I mean, look, TV has lots of bad content that, you know, you and I would consider bad content. So right. and there's, I, and, I don't and watch and the we, bachelor, we, we but say plenty of people TV do five years ago, which was right. And look at the TV subs. So I wouldn't, Look, I wouldn't say that you want to be, compare yourself to TV and their bad content because that's not that the subscribers or the number of people watching is not exactly a positive trend cycle. Well, look, well, if churn is becoming a bigger issue. I think one of the things that well, gets more interesting is are there other no, ways no, hold to on, manage? Hold on, hold well, on. Why? Uh, no, do not audible this. Why? I want you to pull up a different slide before we get to this, which is the Apple slide on um, Sunday ticket. Because that's really calling an audible. Yes, because what what you're seeing right now, you brought up Amazon and Apple and their spend is a this sudden interest in sports. It's not that um, necessarily they're going deeper, especially Amazon into scripted content and series. Amazon has been laser focused on sports and now Apple is getting interested in sports. Why doesn't someone read the front office sports slide? Um, front office sports. The deal could earn the NFL around two and a half billion annually. Sources this is the front Apple sports. Set the I'm going to get there. Okay. Sources told front office sports in March that Apple is interested in bundling NFL Sunday ticket, the mobile rights that have no longer reside with Verizon and a stake in NFL media with a Apple taking up to a 49% stake in NFL media. So all three things that the NFL is still yet to sell or license theoretically is all going to Apple, which would be just, it's a game changer. If it happens, I have no idea whether this is actually accurate, but there is a lot of smoke for Apple, not related to Apple and Sunday ticket. At least this would be really, really bold. If it all of that happens. Please make it happen. It's oh, a God. perfect they, fit, right? Amazon is oh. such a disappointment with their sports. I've got much larger, greater faith in what Apple can do with with uh, sports. Although well, you watch Friday Night Baseball, it's not so interesting. I not watch Friday Night Baseball. Sorry. Yeah, you might want to just watch the Friday Night Telecast before you make that comment about okay. your hopefulness. But, 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 
You're talking about Sunday tickets. It's all simulcasting. Rich, I mean, come on. Yeah, remember our first podcast? (laughs) Yeah, and your mic. (laughs) Okay, so it's called Growing Pains, Richard. Right. So that that's going to happen. Um, it is simulcast. You, it's, only it's so, a, you can only polish shit mm-hmm. so much. <laughs> sure. <laughs> well, it's been uh, actually baseball's fucking amazing right now. Okay. The New York Mets. Come on. How are those ratings? Um, like there, I think opening day was all time high for them. The Mets. How about the, the overall MLB rating? Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. Terrible. Uh, amazing. Sport. Terrible. Amazing sport. All right, are we done with sports? But, Can we move I on? Just, no, I just want to say Apple's the perfect not fit let you. because it is a absolute premium product that you're talking about now, and Apple is premium. I hope they win, like I like I already said. So you okay. just footnoted me. Thank you. So I let's move on to Verizon. Um, and what can maybe help some of these streamers in their the churn issues that they have and reaching additional subs. Verizon's Plus Play, which we've talked about and I've been positive on in prior podcasts, um, which has not really officially launched yet, but HBO Max joins Netflix and others as part of Plus Play. And then the issue here is the negative risk, obviously, is that if you have a bunch of subscriptions where someone can look at all, like you could do this, by the way, on Apple. If you put all of your media subscriptions on Apple, yeah. you can kind of turn them on and off. I think in Verizon's case, there'll be more promotions around it. If you try and disconnect, maybe they'll offer you a discounted rate or somewhat. They'll, they'll bundle within the bundle. So I think they're going to try and bring greater value to the content players. I was, as we've talked about before, unlike um, Apple, they're also not going to charge you the you know the very high vig in terms of the payment. So that's going to also an incentive for the content guys. So, but HBO Max is on board, and and maybe this is something that can that can help Netflix you know, reinvigorate. Get off the ground. When do you think we see this? I think, you know, in a month or two, um, you know, they've gotten enough content already queued up. You know, the other thing is Verizon, and I said this on the past podcast, Verizon um, for Netflix specifically, I think hits a different demographic than maybe is the traditional stronghold of Netflix. And maybe that can help them with the little incremental household growth in the U.S. Yeah, why not? With the right promotion. You know what, though, Walt? While we're on Verizon, Verizon's stock is down over 6% today. That seems like a fairly big move for for stodgy old Verizon. What the hell is going on in telco land? Well, and I also bring this back to what you said earlier in the podcast, Brandon, about has streaming hit a wall? You know, when you asked Rich that question, I was thinking to myself, well, one of the reasons Verizon's getting crushed today is, you know, they brought down growth expectations. And, you know, we've talked about this on this podcast, right? I said they had to lean on because the sub growth wasn't there, AT and T was doing better, and just industry growth wasn't there. They have to get people to to move up to higher bucket rate plans, and the, there's only two ways to do that: five G, which is clearly not resonating, and what getting a subscription, uh, you know, to Disney Plus, and including. And the bottom line is, like, you know, they've probably saturated. When you, you talked again earlier about saturation, saturate yeah. that that market, the number of customers that actually care enough about, in this case, Disney Plus, maybe other subscriptions, that would get them to pay a higher price to Verizon, and and that's so now you have Verizon not able to find that growth, so lower growth, lower multiple, lower free cash flow, yada yada. I hate to step this back to the macro a little bit though. We talked a little bit earlier about. 
you know, perhaps inflation mm -hmm. and stretched wallets uh, hurting the likes of Netflix at the margin. Is that something you think is going on in telco at Verizon? Like the ability to get people to step up to you know, higher rate plans, but the consumer stretch, because then you start to think about what the implications of that are more broadly. And maybe we're seeing signs in the businesses that we cover. I think that's actually a brilliant question that I hadn't thought about because frankly, the telco analyst version of that question on the calls was the opposite, which is, Hey, with inflation out there, shouldn't you be in and your costs are going up with your employees? Shouldn't you be increasing the cost to the consumer? And Saggy yikes. said that there's an opportunity for it. But you're uh, right. The, the question should be the opposite. If the consumer is getting squeezed with food and everything else, are they going to not necessarily go to those higher end rate plans? That's a great question. Or to substitute out. <laughs> I mean, right. like what I'm wondering is if, you know, everyone's like, is there going to be a soft landing? Is there going to be a recession? Well, are we starting to see cracks in the consumer <laughs> that are inflation potentially right. leading towards I mean, recession? To be, to be fair. Well, we're seeing TV advertising starting to roll over. Usually when TV advertising rolls over, it's a pretty good sign that the consumer is weakening. All, all leading indicators here. What did a Snap reported last night? Uh, I think Certainly they talked softer. about- uh, Right, softer ad market. The Europe is slowing faster, um, obviously, than the U.S. Some of that may have to do with the war. Uh, engagement metrics were amazing, but monetization is not where they thought it was going to be. So we're starting to put together a little bit of a puzzle of perhaps the bleeding edge of economic weakness. I think that's completely fair. I, just, I wish I could remember the name of the show, but we were watching... Jess and I, my wife for podcast listeners, were watching some That's show, my wife. Which had advertising. <laughs> and I was noticing like it was really like hokey shit. <laughs> like it wasn't like brand advertising. It was like more of that localized. It wasn't like they were selling gold at pawn shops. But pretty was this at 3 a.m.? No. <laughs> oh, God. I wish I remember which show, show it was. Uh, it could also have something actually, to do it with could have been the, the connected been the TV advertising. It could have been the Sixers game on TNT. I don't know if it was connected well, advertising. I think dude, it was through direct TV. Oh, it was through direct. Mark actually, you know, texted our group. Um, he was watching, I think, NBA TV game. And there was an ad after the game for the game that had just happened. Right. That's amazing. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. So I think, yeah, I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> Let's go to the next slide, Rich. So this should have probably followed the fish conversation for <laughs> all appropriate reasons. But economist Elon Musk, correct. Elon <laughs> Musk says he's received funding to finance a takeover of Twitter and that he's exploring whether to launch a tender offer to all Twitter shareholders. And love me tender. I, I just don't get it. Like at fifty four dollars, I just can't see shareholders selling. Uh, it just doesn't seem realistic at that price. I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but. I just don't think at that level. Why, why is that, Rich? You think you think that Twitter is worth more? I mean, look if if Twitter is talking about hitting that, you know, reaccelerating back into twenty percent DAU growth, we obviously just saw eighteen percent from Snap. Yep. Sure, the ad, the ad market may be weakening. Those are definitely short term issues over the next maybe short to intermediate term issues. But if usage is really growing, eighteen percent at Snap, and let's just say. Twitter really feels comfortable that they're going to exceed 20% growth for the next couple of years to hit their guidance, which is what they need to do. 
I just can't see with users growing like that. I just can't see the company selling for $54 when it was, you know, what about I, it just seems hard to fathom that investors are going to sell, that they're going to get enough tendering to make this work. I don't well, know, investors could probably use a win here and there. I mean, everyone talks about where it was at the high. Yeah. So where, where was the market? And if you love Twitter so much and you think that you're not going to sell at 54, then why don't you buy more stock? <laughs> Well, the, I mean, the stock has, I mean, the stock has creeped higher all week, right? I mean, it's Why? sort of because of Elon. Because Elon got the financing in place. Yeah. Can, we, can we talk about the financing for a second? Sure. Um, I just want to say the word unpack one more time, Walt. Say can it. We, can we unpack that financing? I thought it was interesting. So he got two margin loans, right? Two. For, yeah. Two different margin loans. And yeah, I, he wanted to lever up Twitter itself i don't think there's anyone in their right mind would lever up twitter right now before they don't take all the revenue away but not anyway but but you're actually talking about wants to come in and make substantial changes that may have real real impact on revenue and cash flow so i don't think you could put any leverage actually on that business so then you need equity partners who is the equity partner that he says he has signed or he's negotiating with who is going to come in i mean i guess it's elon and he's done things that nobody else has done ever he's the greatest of our time we could all agree on that but to have a guy that wants to come in and smash the profitability of the business and rebuild it well he might not think that that's he may not believe that he's smashing profitability he might think that you know it's going to it's going to do better based on opening it up I and mean, he might be right i don't know i think i think i think advertisers are more fickle or or um i don't know what the word is i'm looking for than probably people get credit for i don't i'm not sure that they just disappear just because someone is going to add additional people on the platform well uh, he's talked actually, about taking I, I, away I, advertising fully i don't know if that's you know actually i i sort of disagree strongly walt like the advertiser blowback on facebook for and YouTube for brand safety issues. And a lot of Twitter, Twitter's trying to convert to DR, you know, performance ads, e-commerce like ads, but most of Twitter is still brand advertising. If if Twitter becomes a cesspool because there's just hate spewing back and forth. Twitter's brand advertising? Because I get a lot of, most of my ads are, because I do get ads on Twitter, which is- Sports betting and crypto. Sports betting, crypto, and then these ads that like click you through to listicles that I keep blocking them, but they keep coming back. I don't, I don't see any branding on my Twitter there is, feed, Rich. Twitter Sorry. is still mostly brand advertising. Okay. Maybe you're not. But that is true. Believe well, it or well, not. I hope that we can we can see if this happens. So I can just, we can agree to disagree on that one. And you're the expert, so you're probably right, but we'll say. Well, but then let's look at it. There what's, are a couple our other- gut, what's our, before we get to this, and Benedict has some amazing stuff to well, say. So why don't you read Benedict first? But, read but Benedict be- first. Before that, gut feeling, guys, how does this resolve? I think nothing happens. Walt. Um, I think there's a reasonable chance that that um, Elon can muster enough funding to make it happen, and maybe he maybe he fucking bumps it up to sixty bucks, sixty bucks. And you think just to have somebody save face? But I think investors are not as like, oh, you know, I need a higher price as you think. They're just yeah, give me sixty bucks in cash, done. Okay, all right, let's move on to the next tweet. You're not going to answer the question, Junior. 
I think that it does not get done. Okay. Let's uh, go to the tweets. Do you want Benedict my, Evans you says, want my probability trees or no? No. <laughs> okay. Benedict Evans says, is Twitter Inc. a mess? Because what is Twitter? Question mark. <laughs> it's such a hard question or vice versa. Bravo. <laughs> But but why don't you now read the bottom two quotes on the other train? Because I think those are sort of the one that's most interesting. I mean, it's do I have to read all these tweets? The bottom no, line just is, the bottom is two. Jack, Jack, as, as everyone knows, is the founder. Is he the founder? Yes, the founder. Yeah, founder, yeah. On his, it was on a jungle gym, right? That he came up with the idea. Um, basically, someone was ripping into the board and Jack was agreeing, saying big facts and then said, when, it, when I'm referring to its here, Jack is referring specifically to the Ford board of which he is a member. It's consistently been the dysfunction of the company. Now, before you react, Rich and Brandon, let me just point out that someone on this podcast pointed out that like, maybe we shouldn't just say, oh, this board is so great. And like, you know, oh, I know the- who it was. Mm-hmm. It that was, guy. No, it was Joe Galone during the yeah. 100th episode. <laughs> <laughs> so, Rich, how do you feel about? Uh, about Jack Dorsey agreeing with me about some of the issues that existed at the board that everyone see, thinks is so highly respected. And how many shares do they own and how many tweets in aggregate has the board tweeted in the past year? Joe, I mean, Rich, look, I think the, the the problem, you know, he clearly is pointing out that there is dysfunction. Um, the question oh. is, the question is, what does he mean by that? Is it strategic direction? Is it he probably, he on, probably forced out? He probably means that I'm bitter for getting forced out. I don't know. <laughs> maybe, maybe, um, you know, I guess it, it, it's sort of like, I think the question now is what does he actually mean by that? Like were, were there things that Twitter wanted to do that Jack couldn't get done? I don't know. I'm just, I'm intrigued by that whole comment of like, obviously there's been, Many issues of Twitter having trouble years ago, you know, when Jack even came back and Dick Costello left and the Noto era. But like, oh, what, God, but, 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 been one but what is he another. sure? But 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 when he says dysfunction, I'm curious, like right now, like what is that? You know, b- even before Elon, what's the dysfunction that led to Jack leaving or how did that play out? I'm just it's interesting and I'd love to know more. And I don't know. It's just sort of opens up. But uh, again, I'd still I still feel I want to go back it, to to the other tweet though it's right? like what is twitter yeah what is like what we have had how many people have come into management at twitter how many times have they tried to you know work on making it a broader consumer service for more than just like info nerds like ourselves that want to hear ourselves speak and most consumers, besides the tweets that they see kind of like on ESPN or like during a broadcast, you know, don't use Twitter. Why, how, it's so useful. Why is that? Why have people not been able to figure out this many years later what Twitter is, how to use it, and can Elon solve that problem? I mean, look, the the issue is, is they've grown from, I mean, you know, this is something that has grown to well over 200 million TAU. So it's not like nobody's using it. Snapchat's in the 300 million. Like, yeah, I was going to, yeah. These are not well, like big, no, no, but these are both relative how many, to how many Meta. North America these are tiny. 
yeah how many north america dau do they even have sub 40 million I so mean, like on. these are just small services it's irrelevant i mean it's not irrelevant but five billion dollars of ad revenue they're still it's small never fulfilled the promise can elon do it i think one of the things that elon does is he attracts talent and i, I take this opportunity once again to take a shot Great at professor point. galloway who says the opposite. He's like, oh, if Elon takes over, people are going to be flooding out of Twitter. I'm like, eh. when I've visited Tesla plants, like the line is out the fucking door and people that want to work for a winner, whether it's Tesla or SpaceX or boring company. So you bring in, when you have an innovative person like that, you bring in innovative people that, that will maybe can answer that question. Fucking awesome point. Recruiting. If he gets this, recruiting will be a massive massive benefit shifting gears to disney world which i know oh, yeah. everyone is super excited about disney uh, bob chapik seems to have a knack for stepping in piles of crap uh i think that's sort of the nicest way to say it He's just, you know it does i mean this i don't i don't I feel almost feel bad for him in this whole situation now, but breaking news, this is the New York Times, Florida lawmakers voted to revoke Disney's special tax status in a step seen as retaliation for Disney's criticism of the don't say gay law. The move revokes a privilege that effectively allowed Disney to self-govern its theme parks. And I, from what I understand, this is not far from a done deal. There's a lot of other complexity with those Senate in, in Florida, and Disney may even have to approve their own rescinding of a tax district based on some obscure laws. But Bottom line here is, let's just say worst case, if this actually happened, it means that Disney would no longer basically be able to recycle the tax revenues from within its property, it would have to share them with the larger county, which means obviously less money for Disney to recycle means less money for Disney, which means there is sort of deficits that, you know, I would assume Disney would be a little less profitable. Capex, right? No, I... Spending, it's a, obviously, less is money. Is it capex spending that would kind of... It's less cash back into Disney, but it also means that Florida residents would have to share some of the burden for for Disney. Um, bonds that Disney has out that would become sort of responsibilities of residents who don't live in this Disney tax district. So it, I don't know. This sounds very, very messy. The reason we have this in here is it just shows the increasing pressure on Chapik. And I wanted to just highlight, like, you know, he hasn't, his contract expires in less than a year now. It's just interesting. I don't know if we're waiting for Q1 results. Obviously the Netflix news on streaming is not terribly encouraging. I don't think there's a lot of, we haven't talked to a lot of investors who are very hopeful about the domestic numbers this quarter. It's, um, it's going to be interesting. You know, the theme parks are obviously on fire. There's nothing that could, no, everyone's theme parks are on fire right now, just like all of your live nation experiences are yeah. on fire. The question is, why has Shapex contract not been renewed? And how is sort of the piling up of these of this of these data points? How is it impacting the board's thought process? And that's what I'm curious about. I don't know. Experience economy is roaring. Will be interesting, though, if we do wind up in recession. What the impact there is. Yeah, I mean, how, right. I mean, you will have kind of uh, puts and takes for the Disney parks because international travel still is not a real part of um, of sub, attendance. Sub one so, percent, Brandon. Sub right, one. Sub one percent. So that is going to come back in a big way. And so even if you see some consumer softness here, 
I think that will be more than offset by the return of the international traveler as we're, you know, really COVID is even Philadelphia has <laughs> relifted its <laughs> four day mask requirement. You want to read this other one, Brandon, because this also relates to Disney. Sure. Front office sports at FOS for those keeping score at home. Six companies intend to bid for the Indian Premier League's broadcasting rights. The likes of Disney, Amazon, and Sony are in the hunt for the rights to the IPL, the third largest sporting event in the world by viewership. And there's been an ongoing discussion, Rich. Who's going to get IPL? Is Disney going to give up IPL? It seemed like that was the direction that it was going. From the things that we were hearing, it was what, Geo and... Amazon. Well, I Walt, just made, Walt just made the point before that, like, you're going to have some of these companies are going to have to start cutting back on some of the wild spending if the ceiling of subscribers and ARPU isn't as high as you thought. And so if you're sitting there at Disney. It's a lot of subs that you have in India, but you're losing money on every one of those subscribers. And so do you spend double the amount of money for, or maybe even more on IPL, or do you let it go? And it's going to be a subscribe, it's going to be a brutal subscriber hit. I know they say it won't, but it's probably going to be a meaningful subscriber hit, but maybe it's the right thing to do for the business and, and really focus the business on people that love Disney's content that they own and control globally. Like, I think that's the, my one, what I want to see coming out of this week for Disney is focusing on what Disney does best. Like get rid of Hulu, stop playing around with IPL rights. that just sort of goose the numbers, really just have a sub base that is directly tied to people that love Mandalorian, Obi-Wan, all the stuff that Disney creates. Own that demographic. Not just that. Come on, Rich. Because you've been saying Disney needs to go deeper into streaming. If they're going to make a really big service, they need to be broader from a content perspective. And you just advocated for Dancing with the Stars to be in Disney+. Plus. So that's I I look at that a little bit. Expound a little bit. Yeah, I I know what you're going to say, but I want you to say it. No, I would just say like that's still family friendly, grownish, blackish. Yes, uh, this is that. So just to be clear, you are still advocating for general entertainment on the Disney Plus platform, not just to go back to the fanboy shit and kids. But maybe we shouldn't be trying to compete in, you know, what I would call really adult dramas and comedies. Maybe it shouldn't go Got that it. broad. Maybe it should be, you know, maybe but broader than it is now. Do we need Pamela and Tommy Lee? Like, I don't know if that really needs to be there. But I do think, why could The Bachelor or The Bachelorette, why could, I mean, you know, why could Modern Family, like think about all of the content that you've seen on ABC over the years. I think most ABC content could live uh, on Disney+. Plus. What about FX? I think you probably sell FX. Wow. Okay. I would sell it. I think it's just not strategically critical to the mission of Disney+. Plus. They make good fucking content. They do, but it's very different content. Very, very different. This season of Atlanta, by the way. Nice. Okay, next. Sorry. Sony. Uh, I'll read this and you can explain it. Gaming updates and countdown. Sony plans to sell advertising in PlayStation games. The goal is for the ads to appear like they're part of the game, like digital billboards in sports stadiums. Yeah, I mean, I'm just going to This is exactly what the world world needs. I'm going to be very, very quick on this one. Okay, which is that gamers are engaged, ad units can be put in there. 
very, very naturally um, and unobtrusively. If that's the case, then by all means, but anything that's going to ruin the experience should not be in there. That's it. We can move on. Okay. Uh, the one we have here on Snapchat is sort of, this was raised on the call last night because I think a lot of investors are worried that as Apple sort of, you know, they started with IDFA and this whole ATT last year that sort of hurt the ad industry. Now there's a fear of them sort of cracking down on companies that are sort of using third parties, whether that be companies like AppLove and just sort of using other ways of sort of identifying consumers and sort of getting around Apple's rules. So Eric Seifert has a tweet, Snap states unequivocally on the call that it does not engage in fingerprinting. Is that true? Ask 10 people to define fingerprinting and you'll get 10 different answers. The question is whether advanced conversions uses IP addresses for matching. If it does, that's a risk. So look, there's definitely fear out there of like, what could Apple do next? And how does that impact or make the life of the advertisers who are trying to come up with solutions to what Apple did? How do these solutions you know, does Apple tighten their grip a little bit more over the course of the next year? And well, Snap, I mean, Snap was clearly trying to but, tell you they're okay. There's whether that's that's fine. There's more that's coming out um, with next version of iOS. After that, I think Apple probably does a look back at all everything that they've done to see what workarounds actually violate their terms, and those who are fingerprinting and doing other stuff that violate their terms. Guys, a lot of people have said app loving is kind of front and center. No, don't say violate, might be sort of taking advantage of their turn. I think violation is sort of a strong word. I think okay. might be doing things that Apple doesn't really like behind the scenes. I think okay. that's sort of the softer way of saying it. Could be at risk. Correct. I think that's And it's something to keep an eye on, probably not for right now, but as we you know move into fall after the next version of ios is rolled out and all of apple's rules and changes are more firmly entrenched so we have a tweet from amy mclean from cable facts daily charter and sinclair get deal done for the 19 valley sports rsns yes marquee which is chicago tennis channel and of course the broadcast stations and what was interesting is that the press release had no comment about the direct-to-consumer RSN service that Sinclair has been talking about. It's been now a full week, almost a full week, and we've seen no news about the direct-to-consumer streaming service launching. And all I can think about is, you know, we've been talking a lot about inflation on the one hand and streaming services slowing down, and we're waiting for an RSN service that's going to charge 20 to $25 a month for an access to just your RSN. Not even all of the content because the baseball content won't be on there because I don't have a deal with baseball. So we're talking about an NBA and NHL over-the-top streaming product at twenty plus twenty dollars plus that doesn't have all the other content in the bundle that a sports fan probably wants anyway. So I guess it's a long-winded way to talk about this slide of saying maybe it never even is going to launch. Like maybe this is all just a joke and like literally there's <laughs> like on. nothing. I don't know. Like, is there any demand for this product? Like they're going to go out and spend money on a product that I think basically nobody wants. I don't get it. Yeah. I mean, we've talked about kind of the weirdness in launching this product because almost everybody that wants their local sports teams has the bundle anyway. So what's, it's right. kind of like, Wait, who are what you, is who the are you bringing back by going over the top? Right. What I, is have the no, I have no idea. Of- What's the Venn diagram of huge RSN fan 
that doesn't need ESPN or, you know, all the other channels, major channels for sports. How many people could that be in the whole country? It just seems absurd. And then, of course, the way we end our podcast is we have a little fun with our good friend, Adam Aaron. Um, oh, it's boy. Always fun. Sixers to have fan, him. Adam Aaron, and former president. You know what? Sixers. Then fuck yeah. We love you, Adam Aaron. Yes. One Sixers going to finish that sweep tomorrow night, Walter? Mm, I don't know. We'll see. And then why don't you read Adam's tweet? Since you're the Sixers fan and you love him, why don't you read it today? <laughs> why don't you love him? <laughs> you just said you love him. So go ahead. Well, he, he, as a as a former Sixers executive, I actually in the era he was in, was he when was he? Was he in the process or post pro? I don't even remember. Uh, All right, whatever. Before, before the process. Thank you. Yeah. Those some really shit years. Okay. I hate Adam Aaron. What? Come on. Just read the <laughs> just can you just read the tweet? Let's get this done. Okay. Well, do you want me to read the tweet? <laughs> no. You know what? Let's stick around okay. for a little bit longer. Okay. Exactly as promised, the AMC mobile app for AMC's U.S. theaters now accepts online payments using Dogecoin, Shiba Inu, and other cryptocurrencies, thanks to BitPay. Also, Apple Pay, Google Pay, and PayPal. To do so, you will... That's enough. Who cares how he it took happens? the slide off mid-sentence. I did, because the whole concept of who buys a movie ticket with Dogecoin? Like, I don't, I don't even understand the concept. Why what is this like? You have a wallet and you pay. It's just a different yeah, way to pay. It's a currency. But like, yeah. why is this a big deal? In Are the they taking currency risk? Well, it I depends how long. They, I think BitPay probably immediately converts it. Oh, to dollars, yeah, okay. So All right. It would be my guess. Oh, Elon. What do you mean? If you had, Rich, if we had a client that, that said... I would like to subscribe to Lightshed Partners, but I am going to pay you in, in Doge. Would you take it? Of course. Okay, there you go. So, you know, he's just, he's being flexible. I, I just think in the scheme of like the issues facing the movie theater industry, I don't think all of a sudden, of course not. I don't think it helps drive attendance to take Dogecoin. It's not like that's going to be the catalyst. The Doge. What are we listening to, Brandon? As tender as the night. No, because obviously tender at 60. Well, he tweeted out blank is the night the other day, right? Yes. That, it's that clearly was a reference to this song. Yeah. He's very creative. Very creative. Yeah. You think he does his own social Wait, media? I, yeah, obviously. Did, I, I actually heard that that guy, Elon, is, is pretty smart. Did you? <laughs> Uh, Someone told me that. <laughs> uh, hopefully, we have a little bit less stressful earnings week next week. No, is, you know why? Why? Because you like being in the center of everything. I love it. I you know feed off of it. I love the energy. The NFL draft. Oh, I can't wait. That's Giants. episode one hundred and three. What are you talking about? The Giants have the fifth and seventh pick. They'll fuck that we up. Will, sure. We will oh, know who their way. draft picks are by the next. Who's going to have more wins this year, the Giants or the Jets? Jets. Their Jets okay. are set up. Giants have one more down season, at least. They don't have a quarterback. I mean, Daniel Jones. Hey, Danny Dimes, I thought. Danny Dimes. How you doing? Have a good weekend, everyone. Bye, everyone. <laughs>